problem I think many people make is they jump into partnerships without really knowing if it's going to work out. And also they do it based off of feeling. They like the other person, they're friends with the other person. Welcome back to the Spreading Success Podcast. My name is Ram Raviv, and I am your host. Today, I'm joined by Joel Kaplan. How are you doing today, man? What's going on, man? Thank you for having me. No problem, man. So for the listeners that are not really familiar with you, can you just give them a 60-second <laughs> overview about who you are and what you do? For sure, man. So I am the founder of a coaching program called Seven Figure Agency, where we help agency owners go from zero to $100,000 per month. I also run a seven-figure agency. We have over 170 clients, and my claim to fame is that I have a three-hour work week. So whereas Tim Ferriss has a four-hour work week for my agency, I only show up three hours per week. Now I've got uh, stats and data to prove it as well, if anyone's wondering. <laughs> um, that being said, my big passion is all around making money and making a difference. I believe that the world is a better place when not only you are focused on growing financially, but you're also doing it from a good intention with a good heart mm -hmm. and with a bigger vision for the world. Mm -hmm. So yes, we talk about these crazy numbers around all oh, $250,000 a month or seven figures, but it's all behind a bigger purpose. Mm -hmm. Exactly, man. And we're going to dive deep into that three hour work week a little bit later. But I just want to kind of take us back to your early life and kind of walk people through to how you got to where you are now. So going back to those middle school, high school, those kind of ages going all the way back. How were you like as a kid, your grades, your passions, just take us back for us. Damn, dude. So a lot of people don't actually know this about me because I look white, but I'm from Venezuela. So I actually grew wow. up and was raised in Venezuela, which is third world country. It is like a failed socialist regime. So when I moved to the United States at eight years old, I remember driving to see my house, my parents' house for the very first time. And I was like, mom, it's like Disney World. <laughs> everything seems so amazing. And I think from a very early age, I knew that there was massive, massive opportunity that could be had if you just took massive action and just outperformed everyone else. So I've been very aware about the opportunities, even from a very young age. And then like a lot of entrepreneurs, I truly believe that we start entrepreneurship out of some sort of emotional identity issue that we're trying to fulfill. I truly believe that a lot of us are seeking self-fulfillment or seeking validation or seeking self-growth because there's something that was missing. For me personally, like growing up, I was bullied a lot and mm -hmm. I was very good at sports, played basketball all the way through high school. But outside of the basketball court, I always was a little bit more intense, a little bit different, especially moving from Venezuela to the United States, not speaking any English, being mm -hmm. placed in a school where people were like, who the hell is this kid? I always felt a little different. And it created this intensity and this drive behind me. And when I first dipped my toes into the business world, I became addicted because for the very first time, just like in, well, I guess it was the second time, because just like in basketball and in sports, the intensity, the drive was actually the thing that would allow me to succeed and outperform everyone else. Yeah. So I was able to find a way to take my, you know, problematic childhood and the intensity that came out of it 
and really channel it into business. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think a lot of people that come from these foreign countries have that work ethic from those people that are immigrants and people that are coming in from their parents because they see how hard they work to provide and to put them in these opportunities. So that's why a lot of people have that. Yeah. My parents also came from Israel here. And so I'm I'm a first, first generation uh, American, you know, all my family lives there. So it's kind of instilling. I just see how hard they work. My dad's also an entrepreneur. And I'm like one of the only Venezuelan Jews in the world. <laughs> wow. So <that's... laughs> I've actually been in Israel as well. That's crazy. Um, I mean, I don't really consider myself Jewish. I just use the religion for the jokes because it's got some good money jokes. But besides that, <laughs> yeah. like, my religion is entrepreneurship. So. <laughs> yeah. And so that, that whole work ethic thing, my dad's an entrepreneur. My mom is a very, very hard worker. And so I think that's also helping me why I'm so dedicated for something like the podcast and the agency. But obviously in Venezuela, there's not that much of a, a big uh, hype for entrepreneurship. So was there a specific person or a specific time that someone showed you what this new world was? Or, or did it just come like through a natural flow? I would say it's definitely more of a natural flow because my dad and my grandfather are both entrepreneurs. Okay. So just growing up with it, that's all I really knew and all I really saw. So the alternative didn't even make sense. Like I remember my, given that we moved to the United States and my mom Hispanic, she was like, Joel, you have to go to college. Like no questions asked. You better get me that piece of paper. So I ended up going to school, but throughout my entire journey in college, I really wanted to drop out and Mm -hmm. I actually ran a few businesses while I was in college. And my vision was always entrepreneurship. I always knew from the very beginning, and I was, I'm very grateful for that, that mm. that was the better way, mm. especially if you have the intensity, especially if you have the drive, especially if you have the bigger vision. So mm. I always knew I wanted to be an entrepreneur. And, you know, even in college, very few people know this about me, but I used to DJ for weddings. That was my very first business. Wow. It was called Joel K Entertainment. And the way I would make my money is, Thursdays and Fridays, I would DJ, you know, frat parties and just back then DJing didn't, wasn't as accessible as it is today. So you would have to invest in like $2,000 worth of equipment. You needed to know how to mix. Like now you could just hook up your phone to these nice speakers and you can call yourself a DJ. So these frat parties and college parties would pay me a few hundred dollars just to DJ Thursdays and Fridays. And then I would DJ weddings on Saturdays. That was my very first business, Joel K Entertainment. And then when I graduated, I was ready to start something new. But my father actually begged me to work for two years just mm-hmm. to get my dip my toes in the in the working world. Yeah. And given that I look up to him so much, that was something that I just took to. But then I just grew miserable and mm-hmm. then I quit. Yeah. And I think that's that's kind of interesting how the entrepreneurial father wanted you to see what it's like in the workforce before you did it. But how was your other family members, friends, like how were they reacting when you're like, you know what, I don't want the nine to five. I want to do something else with my life because a lot of people are not supportive whatsoever. Yeah, man, I, I definitely am grateful about that, that I had it, I had less pressure from my family. I would say my, my mother still like had, had some scarcity mindset around like, and it, it makes sense. You grew up in Venezuela where it's like everything can be taken from you at any point in time. Yeah. So she wants more security. And even it's like just recently, now that I'm making so much money, she was like, okay, now I get it. <laughs> even though she's been around entrepreneurship her, her whole life, mm-hmm. given that she's married to my father, I'd say, yeah, man, I've definitely drifted from a lot of friends from high school. I've definitely drifted from a lot of friends from college. I truly believe that 
it's okay to have a balance. Not every friend needs to be entrepreneur, rah, 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 going all in all the time, Mm -hmm. but they also do need to be supportive of you. And if they're not supportive for you, and if they're creating a toxic environment where you're not allowed to thrive, then it's a negative ROI to spend Mm -hmm. time with them, both financially and emotionally. Yeah. And something that I struggled with actually is I have this conversation almost every single podcast episode, but the fact that a lot of my friends that are in like my surrounding area, my physical friends, I call them the human interaction, they don't really align. So that's why like I go to things like a podcast and things like I FaceTime when I get home, I FaceTime like eight to nine of like my closest friends from Instagram or other entrepreneurship events. And the struggle is I'm like, oh, I'll just, you know, cut all those friends off. But then I realized you need human interaction as well. So that's why it's like, I wish I just had those people next to me. So I kind of have to balance that out as well. Dude, or you can make it happen. Like, here's some value for everyone listening. Something that I do and a, a rule that I set for myself is at the very minimum, every single year, I have to go to four masterminds or four mm-hmm. uh, conferences or networking events where I'm hanging around with like-minded people. Yeah. Because even if you walk out of that conference with literally zero knowledge, the power of just surrounding yourself with the like-minded people is going to light a fire under your ass. And Mm -hmm. it's going to force you to level up because at the end of the day, it's law of association. Mm -hmm. For example, let's say that you live with five people that really care about their health and their diet and they're lifting every single day. They wake up at 6.30 and go to the gym. They run at 6 p.m. before they go to sleep. If they're doing that every single day and those are your roommates, naturally you're going to start modeling their behavior Mm -hmm. and on the flip side if your roommates are lazy and eat like crap you're also going to model their behavior because when they order that pizza at the end of the night you're just going to want to grab a slice yeah so i force myself to always be surrounding myself with like-minded people so for events and then i also do one monthly hangout with at least one entrepreneurial friend so for example those of you listening might may know J.R. Rivas. I don't know if you know him. He's one of my really good friends, or I, th- I think you know Ravi Avvala yeah. and Jeff Seconder. Yep. Like I'm flying out to LA next month just to spend a weekend with them. Mm-hmm. Because again, if I'm leveling up in terms of who I'm surrounding myself with on a monthly basis, I know that's going to have exponential ROI. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Yeah. what do you think, man? I mean, yeah, it's 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 a struggle, especially Come to Denver, bro. Especially Come hang out, man. Yeah, I will. And I mean, definitely with with something like college, I, I go to school and it's just like so depressing. Worst, and thank God I figured it out early because my goal uh, is to escape the nine to five before I graduate because I'm just looking at what all these people are doing. I had no like it's crazy how when I first got into college like a, a year and a half ago, I had no idea what I wanted to do. And then I went to an event and I, I learned about different podcasting and different business models. And I was like, wow, I saw this new world. You know, everyone thinks, oh, entrepreneurship, it's like this dream and you make all these money, fancy cars. But then I see people doing, I'm like, wait, this is like actually real. This is not just some like fake internet stuff. So I realized it was possible. And then just going back to school now, looking at people saying, oh, what are you majoring in? Uh, finance. I don't know what I want to do with my life. And it's just like, so, so depressing. It's awful. It's just a lot of poverty mindset walking around. And entrepreneurs need to be be allergic to the poverty mindset. If you're not allergic to the poverty mindset, how do you expect to have a wealth mindset? 
So it's rough, man. Well, I'm sure you obviously know PayPal, but one of the founders who mm-hmm. was partnered with Elon Musk, his name is Peter Thiel. And Peter Thiel is also the founder of Palantir, and he's one of the most successful entrepreneurs of all time. And when he interviews people, he always asks the question, what is something that you believe in that goes against the majority of other people? Mm-hmm. And I asked myself that question. I was like, Joel, what is something that you believe in that goes against the majority of other people? And for me, it's that college is a scam. I <laughs> truly believe that unless, and hear me out, there's a little bit of a caveat, unless you want to be a scholar or an academic, and you really mm-hmm. just want to become a master of expanding the knowledge within your field, mm-hmm. or you want to become a professional that requires collegiate degree, like becoming a therapist, like becoming a lawyer, like becoming a doctor. I just think that paying $100,000 to go study yeah. business is a waste of time and, and a waste of money. Yeah. And so here's like, this is where I kind of I have like a very rare situation in college. So I was like a, a pretty smart kid in high school, and whatever. So I got into a city school in New York City. Uh, it's called Baruch College, but I got into an honors program, like a top like two, 2% honors college, and it's completely free. And people that are going there are going to be the top lawyers, doctors, accountants in the space. So I'm actually majoring in something called digital marketing, which I'm surprised they even have that. But, and I don't know how up to date it is, really is, yeah, but probably not. Probably not but um, the, the, the whole thing You're is- probably teaching you TV ads, digital, because yeah. it's on a screen. Yeah, yeah, so I'm really going there for the network and it's not costing anything other than time. So at least I get some kind of hard skill through digital marketing. So my situation is a little bit like rare. Not many people go for free and have no, I also have no expenses whatsoever because I live with my parents. So it's like, you know, it's on the the fence. And I'll throw like one more caveat. When I say I believe college is a scam, I mean it for the people that are going to go into massive debt. Yeah. Don't have the same resources as you Mm -hmm. learn something that if they just went out into the real world yeah. and even just interned for a digital marketing agency for six months yeah. for free, they would have exponentially more knowledge. Yeah. So really like when I say college is a scam, I don't mean it for people that are trying to be a scholar. I don't mean it for people that do need the degree to advance. And Hey, if you're not ready and you need that like cultural experience of going to school and being around people to yeah. become more mature, that's fine. But if you it's feel pretty not worth the money, yourself, man, that that's the only thing that's like the number one thing and i think like even gary v and david Meltzer said it themselves it's not about the time but college is a great experience for entrepreneurs because think about it the networking opportunities i'm in the board of directors for the college entrepreneurship organization at my school so the amount of people that i'm able to meet there actual entrepreneurs as well the networking is there but it's not worth the price but if you can go for free or you have a program then they're saying it's like it's a fun experience and you should definitely do it so that's like where the balance is yeah, hundred percent, man. It's mm-hmm. uh, it's pretty interesting. Yeah, dude, I thought it was such a waste of time. You might find this funny that like I was actually majoring in business because I knew that's what I wanted to do, but I was like, man, how can I squeeze more value out of school? Because this HR class is not teaching me shit, <laughs> and I'm learning about like economic trends that have nothing to do with starting a digital agency, for example. Mm-hmm. So I went and studied philosophy because I just wanted to learn how to persuade and argue with other people in a way that got them to really just think and essentially like I was able to learn what is required of you to say to convince someone to think a certain way mm-hmm. yeah so but that, I mean I had to get creative around like, yeah. how to maximize yeah. my degree mm-hmm. so yeah definitely so I want to kind of transition into what you do now 
and social media marketing agency and, and your coaching. So how did you first hear about the word social media marketing agency, the phrase? How did that come to be? Great question, man. I've been doing marketing since I was like 18 years old, like mm-hmm. messing around with, I, I remember be, uh, asking my father, like, yo, can I log into your Google AdWords account and just mess with it? Oh, wow. Obviously, I, he didn't let me spend money way back when, <laughs> but I, I, I was in marketing since I was 18. I'm 27 now. So that's like nine years ago. And I started learning the skill of marketing. And when I started my, you know, Joel K Entertainment, the DJing business, when I then went off and got my first job out of college, like I kept doing marketing and it got to the point where I actually met the family that took Cisco, like the massive billion dollar company mm-hmm. public. And they offered me a job as the, their director of marketing. So I was like, hell yeah, I'm going to go work with a billionaire. And after that, I was like, man, I could like, I really have so much potential. I understand this marketing game so much that I could start my own marketing agency, but it's not like I took a course or read something or saw an ad that, that made things click. However, my business partner did take Ty Lopez's SMMA course. Mm -hmm. So when he and I met and linked up, he had been introduced to this new business model from Ty Lopez. But from my perspective, like I had been doing it for a while. Mm-hmm. And just really quickly, there's stereotype from a lot of people that do social media marketing that you should never create an agency with a partner. I don't know if you've heard that before, but everyone, like I know Iman Godzi and a lot of people are like, if you do an agency, like do it by yourself. Don't work with a partner. They won't go 50-50. It's not something that you can easily manage. So how was that like for you? I'm going to just call it out right now. My agency is bigger than Iman Godzi is 100%. So I'm going to just say that straight up. 170 clients, $250,000 a month, not including ad spend. A uh, mm-hmm. little bit of shots fired, but <laughs> it is the truth, man. So what I would say is, yes, there's things that work for the most part, but life and business is never black or white. And something mm-hmm. that might work in one scenario may not work in another scenario. And a partnership that may work for someone may not work for someone else. So I actually hate when people give black or white advice this doesn't work or this does work Mm -hmm. that being said what i would suggest is if you're going to do a partnership you need to absolutely test the partnership out before committing Mm -hmm. and to give you guys a little glimpse of what that actually looks like me and my business partner said we would do a 90-day test before we ever signed anything at all Mm -hmm. and then after that we actually decided to test it out for another six months after that so we ended up testing out our partnership for a total of nine months before ever signing an operating agreement. Mm-hmm. And that gave us the confidence of like, hey, this actually does work. We really do align. Mm-hmm. The problem I think many people make is they jump into partnerships without really knowing if it's going to work out. And also they do it based off of feeling. They like the other person. They're friends with the other person. They're not that self-aware as to why they're partnering up. And I think. In my situation with Marcos, my business partner, I was very clear on why I was partnering up with someone. Mm -hmm. He was also very clear on why he was partnering up with me. So I think it's very important to test it out. And then also number two, do it for the right reasons, not just do it because it's fun. Mm -hmm. Be very self-aware around that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I just wanted to clear that up because I remember hearing that because I actually, I've had so many phases, you know, the drop shipping, the SMA. So I actually, when I tried that for a little bit, I actually was doing with a partner and then it kind of faded away, but just wanted to kind of get that out there. But speaking- It may may fade away, man. That's why you got to test it out. Like, how do you know if you can actually 
succeed at a higher level and faster with someone mm-hmm. unless you test it out like you just don't know yeah yep so yeah mm-hmm. that's why I, by the I, way i love iman Gatsi. I, I was i'm just having, <laughs> i was having fun with the shots fired so if he's listening right now it was all out of love i'm just having fun with it. <laughs> yeah no shots fired just plus a little friendly competition that never hurts anyone so. <laughs> exactly man and so for the for the people that have their own agencies or looking to start what would be something that you would give them like an actionable tip on on how to get their first few clients i know that was something that i was struggling with the cold calling the emailing working for free there's so many different strategies out there what was something that you used or you would recommend here's the problem that i see with most beginners they think that they deserve the right to just get these high ticket clients that are amazing that they can get them without doing any work up front. They just come to them. And the reality is if you are just starting out, you have to find a way to get your foot in the door. You have to find a way to get started. Mm-hmm. And most people want to avoid that because it's difficult. Mm-hmm. It's a lot sexier to hear, oh, I'm going to help you find a new high ticket client, even if you've never done marketing before. And it's a lot less sexier to hear that you have to put in a lot of work up front to get that very first client. Mm-hmm. And that you have to be willing to sacrifice in order to build that initial momentum. So if I were just starting out, and here's what we did, the very first thing I would do is try to put myself out there a lot and actually do it in person. Mm -hmm. Because that's a guaranteed way to get in front of other local businesses. Mm -hmm. So for example, if you go to a website called BNI.com, that's a referral networking program for local business owners where they meet once a week and like 40 business owners show up and they all get to go around the room and pitch wow. for 60 seconds. Mm-hmm. Now, again, most new entrepreneurs don't want to do this because it requires you putting yourself out there, which you need to do in order to practice the act of just pitching yourself and getting the, the, the sale and again, getting your foot in the door. So what you do is you go around the room and you pitch for 60 seconds. And if I were starting all over again, what I would do is I would go to this event and I would say, Hey, my name is Joel. I'm brand new to Denver, Colorado, or I just started a, a brand new marketing agency in Denver, Colorado. So I'm going to be doing something special for the very five next people that sign up. If you come to me at the end of this meeting, I'm going to be offering five businesses free marketing for an entire month just to prove to you that I can get you results. If you're interested, come to me at the end and we'll chat. What's mm-hmm. going to happen is all the businesses are going to want to come to you. Mm-hmm. And you're going to get like 20 businesses, 30 businesses being like, yo, Joel, I want to be one of those five. By telling people you're only accepting five, you can then qualify them to only work with the people that you want to work with and only work with the people that you know you can get results. Mm-hmm. And now, just by showing up to this BNI, you've guaranteed yourself 20 meetings from, and from those 20, you can decide to only take on five. You can take on a few more free trials if you want, and you're going to make them pay ad spend. Mm-hmm. And then this is going to allow you to get the experience and the momentum necessary <clears throat> to get the ball rolling. Yeah. Testimonials as well. You know, you, you'll have the screenshots, you'll have people telling you how great you are and you did it for free. So it's just like e- even better on that end. And a lot of people are like, yo, how do I do it without social proof? The reality is you don't like you haven't earned the right to get clients yeah. without social proof. Like, yep. sorry, that's the truth. Even though that's not what people want to hear. Mm-hmm. people want to hear the easier sexier route that doesn't actually exist mm-hmm. yeah so- and it's the same thing with with something like drop shipping where they're like oh it's so easy you just 
click here and you drag this product and you do it. And, and that's what enticed me. I lost over $2,000 investing in drop shipping because I thought it was so easy. And listen, I, I didn't have them so much money last year. You know, I just got started with college and stuff. I was just like, Oh, all you have to do is just order the product from AliExpress. When someone buys like that's so stupid, I can make a million dollars right now. So I invested in courses and courses and it's a lot more difficult. And the thing that was interesting to me is that on all these like Instagram pages and courses, they're like, Oh, you only need like very low startup cost. You only need like a hundred dollars to start. And then you ask people on a podcast who know what they're doing. You need two to $3,000 to start. And that's not just investing in courses and stuff. That's ad spend in order to effectively test things. And obviously, you know, ads, Facebook ads, just drain your budget talking about you just losing $50,000. Like, yeah. Oh my God. How did that even happen by the way? Yeah, definitely, man. I could definitely talk about that. Do you mind if I add one more thing about what you said? Yeah, sure. So right now, one of the reasons I started a coaching program to help other agency owners scale to seven figures is because I was sick and tired of all these other gurus being like, here's the way to do it. When number one, they don't even run an agency anymore. Maybe they ran one two years ago. Yeah. So they don't know what's actually working right now. Number two, they give people advice that even though it sounds nicer and it sounds easier and it sounds more comfortable, it's not actually effective. Yeah. So it's like, dude, when we started out, like, you know how many like free trials we did that went to waste? You know how many like relationships we started where we just worked for them for free in hopes for something bigger and it didn't work out? We did that like crazy. But then we were also able to find the one doctor who blew up and then ended up referring all these other people and launched our business. Mm -hmm. So to just wrap it up, like if, if I were starting out, number one, I would engage in the practice of putting myself out there in person because if you can get comfortable pitching yourself to real business owners in person doing it over a zoom call is going to be very easy mm -hmm. so number one i would just get uncomfortable and just put yourself out there number two i would find a way to get in the door whether that's a free trial whether that's i'm going to send you 20 leads whether that's hey i'm going to just work for you for free and do a referral uh sorry not a referral a profit share mm -hmm. find a way to get in the door to get started and earn the right to not have to do free trials. Earn the right to be able to land new clients without showing them all these testimonials because they've already seen all the testimonials that you've gotten from doing all the free trials. Mm -hmm. And then the, the last thing, and then we'll move on to the $50,000 question, but the last thing I would do is if you don't wanna do a full month trial, something that we would do, and this is a top little secret hack, is we would do a 48 hour trial. And in this 48 hour, we would say, hey, you know, Dr. John or hey, auto mechanic, Steven or hey, gym owner, John, like whatever the business owner's name was, you're going to cover the ad spend. We'll do it free for free. We'll need $250. And what we would do, we would spend $250 over a 48 hour period. Mm -hmm. And within those 48 hours, we would be hyping them up so much. So for example, as they're getting like a crazy amount of leads, we would actually text them or email them or call them and be like, isn't this amazing? Like we're getting such amazing results. Imagine what's going to happen once we really start working together. So now we're pre-framing them and telling them, Hey, imagine the possibilities when we move on from this 48 hour trial and actually engage in a long-term relationship. They're like, Holy crap. I've never seen results like this ever before. <laughs> and then you stop it at the end of the 48 hours. Now, what you do is you tell the gym owner, hey, we're going to charge you and we're going to start working together at full price as soon as the 48 hours are done. However, it is a trial and we're doing this to you for free to prove results. So if at any point in time you want to cancel, just let us know before lunchtime on the second day. 
Mm-hmm. And then what we would do is if they would let us know that they wanted to cancel and they didn't want to keep going, we would essentially guilt trip them into working with us by saying something along the lines of like, look, the truth is this campaign is working like crazy. We're getting you amazing results. So if you're not going to want to take advantage of these leads, technically we own the spreadsheet and we own all the leads. So we're just <laughs> going to be able, we're going to just use them for the competitor next wow. door and continue the campaign with them. Which is honestly like you're doing free work. Like there needs to be a push and pull, a give and a take. Yeah. Like they got to experience your system for 48 hours. If they were able to squeeze the juice out of the leads, awesome. If not, like you need to do what's in your best interest and then take care of yourself and go find someone who will take advantage of these leads for weeks and weeks and months and months to come. Wow. That's, that's how we would position a trial as well. That's awesome. Hopefully that's some like tactical knowledge. I mean, I've definitely interviewed a lot of people with SMMAs and they just go with uh, a two week free trial or like contacting people on Yelp. That's the cold calling. Like you said, that's like the easy way out. Just going on a phone call and expecting to just sell them when you haven't even made like an online and in-person presence. Yeah. So that's what I would do. I would get myself out there just to practice being uncomfortable, to practice pitching SMMA services. And then it also guarantees that you're speaking to the right people. Yeah. Number two, I wouldn't be looking for an easy way to get my first paying client. I would do it the hard way, which is the right way to do it mm-hmm. and earn the right to get a high paying client. And then number three, instead of offering a two week trial, I would do a 48 trial where you front load all the leads so that it really gets them excited yeah. and you hype them up within that that's awesome 48 hour period and uh, hopefully that pushes them over the edge mm-hmm. so. and yeah so i wanted to talk about how you lost fifty thousand dollars and maybe some things that people can watch out for when they first get started and then kind of bounce it off to facebook as a whole so how did that story happen i mean i'm, I'm kind of curious well, I just, so i woke up and uh my team was like yo joel i think someone hacked us on facebook and i'm like what do you mean And then they're like, check this out. And they sent me a screenshot and we're like, I mean, if you want, I can share my screen. I don't know if like this is being recorded and I could actually show you guys, but (laughs) like essentially a Vietnamese e-commerce shop or a company (laughs) found a way to log into our business manager. They went onto our ad account and they spent $50,000 overnight on our credit cards. (laughs) Oh my God. Yeah, it was pretty wild, man. Are you getting and it back or is it gone? We're working on it. Oh, okay. we're, they've, they've returned like 20000 worth. Mm-hmm. But honestly, like most people have been like, yo, Joel, you must be freaking out. You must be super anxious. Like, But I actually reframe this as an opportunity to grow. Mm-hmm. So obviously it can be really stressful and it can be very, provoke a lot of anxiety. Mm-hmm. But being able to navigate a really high pressure situation and practicing yeah. that skill it's also really valuable. So as soon as that happened, I was like, yo, Joel, you've got two paths right now. You can either freak the fuck out or you can reframe this as an opportunity to grow. And mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, have fun with it. And do you, do you know if there's like anything that people out there with Facebook ad managers can do to prevent something like this from happening? Yeah, it's fairly simple. So number one, you need to have two-factor authentication set up on your business manager. Mm-hmm. And you need to also have it on your profile. So it is going to require that you get a verification code every time you log out and log back in. It's worth it. (laughs) Yeah. Especially when you're like, at this point, our credit cards can spend so much that like, we don't really have a credit card limit. So like if your limit to your credit card is like 2k, then yeah, you're only at risk for 2k. But yeah, when your credit card limit is hundred G's, (laughs) yeah, they can spend a lot of money. So 
turn on two-factor authentication on your business manager. Make sure to have at least two and even better three active admins mm -hmm. so that if something does happen, you've got multiple people that can access the business manager. Mm -hmm. Make sure to add all of your employees and team members as employees, not as admins, because mm -hmm. that also takes away some privileges. Yeah. And then make sure to have multiple credit cards stored in your business manager in case one goes down. Those are like the biggest takeaways. Yeah, because I've seen a lot of people's ads get shut down for all these different reasons. Facebook just likes to have fun with that at this point. Just shutting down for this reason, this reason, your words were, were uh, spelled incorrectly or you phrase it in this way. So they're always finding reasons. And in terms of your ad spending, obviously working with so many different clients, like you need to constantly have those cards on file to be spending. And so just a question about just, in general that I have that I ask a lot of my guests is can you kind of walk us through a day in the life of, of an agency owner of what you do specifically Joel Kaplan what does it take on a day-to-day -day basis great question man this will definitely touch on like the three-hour work week mm -hmm. that I mentioned at the beginning so when I first started my agency it was pure chaos every single day I would wake up at 9 a.m or like 8 30 I'd clock in at 9 and I would work till I went to sleep and it was just all my time was spent dealing with client issues, being in the Facebook ads manager, building campaigns, helping my business partner with sales. It was just a constant, never-ending nightmare of just slaving away 24-7, 365. And then it got to the point where we were at like 20 or 30K a month. And my business partner was like, yo, Joel, I'm not going to sell one more client until we figure out a way to systemize and free ourselves from our agency. And that's when I essentially locked myself in my room for two weeks and recorded videos for every single process in our mm -hmm. agency. And I actually screwed up a lot. Like <laughs> if you look at our systems now compared to before, they were just awful. And I had to redo them like 10 times. And a lot of people are like, yo, Joel, how are your systems so powerful that you're only able to work three hours a week? It's because I suffered through the process of figuring out how to actually systemize an agency. Mm -hmm. No one taught me this stuff. I didn't learn the systems from anyone. I just did it from trial and error. And after locking myself in my room for a few weeks, and obviously over the next few months perfecting the system, we were able to remove ourselves from the majority of the process. And then at that point, we were really only spending our time managing our VAs and on sales. So our virtual mm -hmm. assistants and on sales. Yep. At that point, that's when we hired a team. That's like the next level of firing yourself. And we hired an operations manager. We hired another salesperson. So now it's at the point where with my agency, I only clock in three to four hours a week. And the way that that works is I essentially show up to, we have a, a team meeting every mm -hmm. single day. And I come to three or four of those team meetings for an hour and I just delegate. I just say, hey, you need to do this. You need to do that. If there's an issue, they can ask me questions. But everything else is fully off my plate. And with that in mind, what I do in my day-to-day -day is really just like meetings with my team. At this point, it's like high-level business strategy. This is one of the reasons I was able to start a second business. Mm -hmm. So like a lot of my time right now is spent building that second business, the coaching program. That's pretty much it. So... Wow, that's awesome because one of the reasons why Ravi really stuck to me, I went to the NetCon event a few months ago and I, and I saw him speak and it was just the way he was phrasing systems and processes and VAs. I was like, I didn't even think it was possible. Like he had his VA order a bike for, for, for someone's birthday and like go pick this up and he literally has some, he's training some of his VAs to do sales and I'm like at that point, like it's crazy. So he literally just 
outsources everything and, and has different systems. And that was like, and I started using that. Bro, guess who taught him those systems? You? Yeah. Hey, that's awesome, man. Yeah, um, dude. But no, Robbie's amazing. Robbie's Robbie took my systems and found a way to like put them on steroids. Yeah. I'll put it to you like that. There's a funny story of like, we were at an event and he was actually my very first student and he invested a thousand dollars with me on the spot. He's like, yo, Joel, if you, I told him, I was like, yo, Robbie, I can guarantee I can get you to 50 K a month with your agency. If you give me a thousand dollars right now to so pay wow, me a thousand dollars, dude, then he like that guy takes any bit of information and he 10 X's it. He makes it his own. He innovates on it. And I think he turned that a thousand dollars into probably more than $500,000. But yeah, the same sort of systems and how to leverage VAs that I passed down to him. He then took in was like, how can I, squeeze the crap out of these mm-hmm. and how can i really push the limits on what's possible yeah that's something that i didn't do yeah and it's crazy how i took what ravi's ravi said not only in the speech but in the podcast episode that we had and i actually implemented that into my own stuff so i have right now what i do i have a podcast editing agency and so i edit audio video uh show notes auto posts it's a very very a needed thing in the podcasting world because I'm a customer of it. I understand the struggle of editing for four hours. And so what I did was I started by having a VA do my own stuff. So now all I have to do for this episode, for example, I drag the files into a Google Drive and I get a YouTube video posted for me, an episode posted for me, and I make content for you to post on your Instagram. So all of that, I used to have to edit three hours, this, 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 post and show notes. It's all systemized now so I can focus on creating more high quality 100%. conversations and have more high quality guests and focus on, you know, setting appointments, taking appointments. That's Ravi's like whole setting, thing. I got, I got three. Here's mine. Setting appointments, closing appointments, firing yourself. That's how you scale the seven figures. <laughs> wow. So, I mean, yeah. So get it's a just, tattoo of it. <laughs> yeah. Take so a just, Sharpie, put it on your forehead, you know, <laughs> being able to do that is, is insane. And I mean, that's why it's giving you more freedom. And that's really, and I know a lot of people have their different reasons. Some people just want the financial freedom. I just want like freedom out of the society and freedom to wake up and do whatever I want. College, bro. I'm just kidding. <laughs> Soon, man. I, I feel like for college, the, the main thing with me is that I just want that kind of cushion to be able to, to do whatever I want while still being at right now living with my parents and things like that so i kind of want to have that cushion because if if i did not go to college then my parents would probably (laughs) disown me so it's like here man (laughs) just wanted to be have that cushion of four years so i could still work on on what i want right now i'm I'm able to do that but i still have the the thing of having no no fees like i don't have any expenses i just live here and because I save my parents, I go for free. So I save my parents like $100,000 or save me in debt. I don't pay for food. I don't pay for transportation because I commute three hours every single day. So I don't pay for any of that. So, I mean, like it's, it's a no brainer. It's instead of going out and getting my own apartment and doing that when I don't even have like a steady income stream yet. That's why that's, I just Let's want that, that, that kind of cushion. Yeah, that, that's definitely what I'm working on right now with, with the, uh, with my own agency, just systemizing that stuff as well. And, and yeah, just, just it's learning simple, man. Like just at, like the way we did it is like asking yourself every morning, very simple question. How can I fire myself today? Mm-hmm. Just a simple question. How can I fire myself today? Then write down all of the tasks that you're going to work on. And then next to it, be like, yes or no. Can I like, if, can I fire myself from this? Yes or no. Then you have a list of things that you can remove yourself from that process. I'm sure as Robbie mentioned, it's very simple Then record a video mm-hmm. walking through that entire process. So for example, 
let's say that you're going to have your virtual assistant book a massage for you. <laughs> then you just record a video of yourself being like, hey, in this video, I'm going to teach you how to book a massage. Go to this website. This is the spot that I always like to go to. And I'm going to just send you a note on Slack or a note on Facebook Messenger whenever I want an appointment with a dedicated time slot that I'm looking for. You're going to go to this website. You're going to click here. You're going to click here. You're going to book it. You already have my credit card, so you'll be able to run it. And then once you've booked it, send me a message in this Slack channel with a confirmation. Mm -hmm. And you take that video, you put it into somewhere like Asana or Trello where you can store all these videos. Mm. And then you pass it off to your virtual assistant and then they got it. You never have yeah. to worry about that again. Yeah. And something that I asked Ravi that he kind of thought was a very interesting question is how do you think things like virtual assistants and systemizing things and outsourcing from other countries is going to impact your business and other people in general when the 2020 recession or some kind of recession hits? How do you think that's going to impact it? Mm, that is a good question. <laughs> 2020 recession. All right. This is my game plan for the 2020 recession. Three things. Number one, I'm building an actual brand behind my business that mm. can withstand any storm or like any essential down period. Just because if you have a brand as opposed to just like a few VAs and maybe like a team member and it's yeah. not a true business, mm -hmm. that's much more vulnerable when the economy collapses. So number one, I'm really focused on building infrastructure, on building a, I'm gonna, I, I dropped the F-bomb quite a bit. <laughs> I'm, drop, I'm building a castle. I'm trying to build like a massive fortress. Mm -hmm. And that's the first thing. So really investing into my team right now really investing into long-term partnerships with my clients, really investing into my brand. So that mm -hmm. if, for example, the economy goes down and let's say doctors are looking for marketing, they're going to trust in Atlas Digital more than anyone else because that is a recognizable brand. Mm -hmm. So that's, that's one way. The second way is right now stacking cash. Like I'm just waiting for the economy to collapse so that I can leverage that as an opportunity mm -hmm. and really just reframe the, what most people think is bad and instead see it as an opportunity for growth. Mm -hmm. and if you actually watch our good friend, Jeff Steckinger, he's increasing his credit lines like crazy. Oh my right God. Now. Yeah. <laughs> Why do you think he's doing that? And he doesn't invest in real estate. He's doing that so that when the moment the economy crashes and the the real estate market is extremely cheap he's going to go out and buy up so much money and ride the wave of it rising back up while doing so using other people's money and not his own yeah. zero so, percent a lot of his money zero percent interest i don't know how he's able i mean he's he, he's like a master of credit i've seen that guy so i have to have him on the podcast though but yeah the way yeah. he the way his mind really works with credit is it's pretty insane but yeah um, also, in terms of, of virtual assistants. Yeah, you asked me about v virtual assistants, and I didn't answer that question. Yeah, so about <laughs> virtual assistants, how do you think that kind of plays a role in, in the future of, of employment, in the future of the way that people kind of use their work? Obviously, things like AT&T and Apple, they all outsource their things like customer service. But now, with, with you and Ravi and other people systemizing, they have people doing like their actual sales work, their actual, you know, it's, it's getting a lot more intense and it's, it's a steal for most people. So how do you think that's going to impact the entrepreneurs moving forward? I, I think relying on one, like just virtual assistants or just in a US based team is a vulnerability. So mm -hmm. I truly believe you need to have both because at the end of the day, no matter how amazing a virtual assistant is, they're not going to be as good as 
someone that's in the U.S. Yeah. does sales for you full time and is yeah. in person you, you, and you can see them and you can give them specific feedback in real time. Yeah. Well, for example, like Ravi right now has a video guy following him around. Yeah. You can't hire a virtual <laughs> assistant dude. Right? There's, there's, there are limits. Yeah. So you need to have, you need to have both on the flip side, like with virtual assistants, you absolutely need them because there's a lot of tasks in your agency or in your business that don't require much critical thinking and mm. problem solving that you shouldn't be paying top dollar to have someone in the U S be doing. So moving into like the recession in 2020, I just, again, like you need to be investing in building a fortress. You need to be stocking cash for being able to build a really good opportunity to be able to tap into the massive opportunity. And then in terms of VAs, like you need a mix of both, like mm. always in, in business, you always want to be looking at your vulnerabilities. Like what, can take your business down. For example, with me getting hacked on Facebook, not setting up two-factor authentication was a vulnerability. So I think you need to have both. You need to have VAs and you need to have US-based team. Mm -hmm. so. And how's like something like two-factor authentication going to impact your VAs? I don't know if your VAs specifically run Facebook ads, but that might be a, an issue. So how would that, they would have to confirm with, with you every single time they sign in? Or? No, no, no. I give my V. So here's like a little, a little uh, golden nugget for anyone that does SMMA. Here's how I set up my business manager. And I have over 170 clients. And outside of me not setting up this two-factor authentication, I've never had an issue. So I have my business manager. And I create a brand new ad account for every new client. Mm -hmm. Now, on Facebook, your limit is five. However, like if you have a brand new business manager, they're only going to let you create five ad accounts. However, once you spend enough money on those five, you can always ask them and they'll start to increase it. Just reach out to the chat. They increase it. And if you're not spending enough, what you can do is add multiple clients per ad account. Yeah. So you could have ad account clients A through D, E through G, and just go alphabetically and just divvy it up by five sections. Then what we do is we, we ask for, we take payment for the ad spend in advance. And we mm -hmm. put all the ad spend on our credit cards. The reason for this is twofold. One, you get to get all the credit card points. And yeah. number two, if you're using your client's credit card and it fails, then your ad accounts get shut down instantly. Oh. Okay. So you need to be doing it on your credit cards. And then what we do is we request access to their Facebook page because a lot of our clients want us to run it through their Facebook page. Mm -hmm. So we just get admin access. And then in terms of, our team, my VA signs into the business manager through her personal profile, not through mine. Oh. So when she has to do the two-factor authentication, it's sending her phone number oh. verification mm -hmm. code. Yeah, that makes sense. I just wanted to know like kind of the difference, but yeah. Hopefully just, that was helpful just because a lot of people don't know how to set up their business. Yeah, and, and another thing I've heard from, from people doing SMAs is that they, they take the money after the ad spend and then they just like, and then they don't pay for it or they're not, they're like the, the, the local businesses just give them a hard time. So just taking it before and putting it on your own credit card, it sounds pretty basic and, and simple, but it's something that a lot of people, especially beginners, they're like, oh, whatever, like they're going to pay me. Don't worry. Cause they, they want, they'll take any experience they can get. And then they kind of get screwed over like that. So it's just important to, to know that from the beginning. And if someone's not willing to do that at, at the right time, then they might just not be a good client yeah. to start out with. Some will, some won't. So what? Next, someone's waiting. Exactly. So.
Exactly. Just to kind of wrap it up, I know we talked about so many different topics on this episode. So what would be a final thought if someone listened to this? They're like, oh, man, like, I really like this guy. I see he's got a program and he's he's showed me some cool things. And I want to start an SMA or I want to go start my dream business or I want to just go start something. What would be something that they can do? They can leave this episode and just go do right away. Great question, man. The biggest thing that I would say is number one, like put yourself in uncomfortable situations just because when you're starting out, you are not comfortable. Mm -hmm. So the only way to get comfortable is by putting yourself in uncomfortable situations over and over again. It could be as simple as going outside and saying hi to every person that walks by. <laughs> and you might be laughing, bro, but like my friends, we would literally do these challenges when we were starting out to get so uncomfortable and then when you're talking to a doctor, you're talking to a business owner, it's like, this is way less yeah. high pressure compared to us having said hello to 200 people. Mm -hmm. Like, and we would up the ante too. Like <laughs> we have some crazy stories of like, like, here's a good one. We would ask people like walking towards us, like what their name was. And they'd be like, oh, my name's John. And then we'd start chanting, John, 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 <laughs> like in full volume in the middle oh of the street God. in Denver. So number one, get really uncomfortable. And then number two, ask yourself this question every single day. Am I getting closer to a sale of yes? Keep going. If not, ask yourself why and make sure that you are. Mm -hmm. well, that, in it, that question alone is going to help you go from zero to 10K faster than any tip, any strategy, any how to get client method than anything else. Stop wasting time on things that aren't driving the bottom line and only focus on income generating activities. It's that simple. Perfectly said, man. Could not have said it better myself. Uh, so just like a, a final thing, where can people find out more about you? Kind of plug your social media. If you have any programs uh, for social media, I know you have one, but yeah. 100% man. At official Joel Kaplan. That's at official J-O-E-L-K-A-P-L-A-N. Follow me around, get a lot of value. I share all my stories every single day. And if you're interested in coaching, send me a DM on Instagram. You can just see if it's a good fit. And uh, that's about it. So. Perfect, man. All right, guys. Thank you for listening. If you found any value, please give us oh, a five-star review as well as subscribe. I'm sure you guys did find some value. And we will see you guys on the next episode.